When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show, hour number three, Wednesday edition of the program. Always want to encourage you. We love you hanging out with us live for 15 hours every week, nearly 500 AM, FM stations all over this country in every state and beyond. We appreciate everybody who listens live, but also we understand life interjects. Maybe sometimes you're not able to listen to every moment of the show. We want you to have access to it. You can search out my name, Clay Travis. You can search out Buck Sexton. Boom. You can get all sorts of podcast exclusive, all sorts of podcast originals inside of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast, and you will be well on your way to being able to find the show no matter where you may be. Right now, spring break for a lot of people, coming up on Easter holiday. Before long, you'll be traveling for hopefully vacation for the summer. Kids, at least where I am, only have a little bit over, what, like two months left until school gets out down here in the south, late May, mid-May, many places out there. I know we start early, we finish early. So you'll be able to find us anywhere. Um, so a couple of uh, different things uh, that are out there that I want to update you on. Uh, there is a report now been confirmed by, it appears, many multiple multiple media outlets, that is, that there is going to be a one-month break on the Donald Trump grand jury investigation. This would mean that the earliest that Donald Trump could theoretically face criminal charges in New York City over the $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels would be late April. Buck, as we discussed, there's also a strong possibility that Alvin Bragg, the DA in New York City, is trying to dial back the expectation that he's going to bring charges. One way to dial back that expectation is to just interject a few months between when the charges were expected and what is going on right now. And so I think you have to consider, particularly because the earliest would be late April, that we may be looking at an abandonment of this case. Now, doesn't mean that Georgia might not rear its head. Doesn't mean that 
The Department of Justice may not decide to do something, although both of us think that's less likely in terms of the Department of Justice. So that information, I believe, is fairly consequential and important. That is uh, the latest there. We continue, and you agree, I think, with that in general. Absolutely. Can I just give you a little bit of breaking news from about the last 15 minutes? This is from uh, Ben Williamson, who was in the Trump, uh, previously in the Trump White House and uh, in the uh, Mark Meadows Congressional Office. He's D.C. based guy. And he just says that while he he retweeted this rather, um, that there have been in the last hour uh, two reported attempted carjackings in Washington, D.C. And according to this account, while the Democrats in the oversight committee were complaining um, uh, about, you know, the way the D.C. crime has has been handled, etc., there was a at First Street and, and I in southeast D.C., a carjacker tried to ram officers and hit three automobiles. So while they're on Capitol Hill talking about things like, hey, maybe we shouldn't have smaller punishments or lesser punishments for carjackings, a carjacking was attempted about a half a mile away from the Capitol. Yeah, that's perfect. I think Um, D.C.'s got some problems. Yeah, carjacking is very serious crime. And it is, like you said, in the last hour, up 100%, which is flat-out unbelievable. Um, so, so did you do you care about the Chris Christie thing? By the way, I just want to I want to ask you this: Does this matter to you at all? That Chris Christie saying he might get into the race just so he could go after Trump, or is this a total non-event? I don't think anybody cares about Chris Christie. Yeah, like it, it, it's it's akin to to me the only person who could beat Trump is Ron DeSantis, and Chris Christie had a moment. His moment has passed. And I know he went and tried to take out, did take out Marco Rubio. If you remember from back in 2016, he basically suicide vested Marco Rubio. Oh, right? I think just, Trump. I think Trump took out Marco Rubio. I don't think I wouldn't give Chris Christie that much credit. I mean, it was oh, a bad thought, moment for him, but yeah, in the debate, you know, basically calling him a robot. I, I thought, yeah, that Marco Rubio was was effectively done at that point. But that was when Chris Christie still had a little bit of juice. I feel like if well if Trump is smart, he'll just ignore Chris Christie and say like nobody cares really about your opinion. I understand why Chris Christie would want to feud with Trump, but it feels like Trump would be put punching down to a massive degree to even care what Chris Christie says. I guess just the the analysis that people have started to push around a little bit would be if you had if you had Chris Christie whose only job was to just say the things about Trump that no other Republicans willing to say. How does that? No one thinks Chris Christie is going to be president. This is just yeah. a vendetta thing for him personally. So he'll get up there and he'll say the stuff that no Republican will say to Trump because the Republican base doesn't want to hear it. Oh, I think DeSantis, if he's going to beat Trump, has to say really nasty things. You think he's going to have to get into it? Oof, I think wow. I think the only way DeSantis beats Trump is if he looks right at Trump and says, you're a loser, you lost to Joe Biden, and you'll lose to him again in 2024. I think that's the only way that DeSantis wins. And the reason why I think that would work for DeSantis is I think it would lead Trump back into his 2020 stolen election harangues, which 
most people don't want to hear. I understand if you're the diehard Trump base, and I agree. The election was rigged. Trump got screwed in 2020. I don't dispute that at all. But if if, if DeSantis has to, on the stage, face-to-face with Trump, say, you are a loser, you lost in 2020, and you are going to lose worse in 2024, there's a reason Democrats want you as the choice. I don't know that DeSantis necessarily has the stones to do it, but I think that's the only way he beats Trump, is by really staring him straight down in the face and saying, I'm a better option than you, you lost in 2020 to the worst president that any of us have ever seen in our lives, and you're going to lose to him again if you're the nominee. That's nasty. I think it would get Trump really angry because the one thing Trump doesn't want to hear is he's a loser, but I think that's the only way that... DeSantis can beat Trump. You agree or disagree? You think he has to go, or do you? Th- I, I don't think you can like, you know, sort of pirouette your way around the eight hundred pound gorilla. I think if you're going to win, you have to walk right up and you know just basically slap the gorilla in the face, and you just got to have the fight. Uh, in my opinion, that's the only way DeSantis wins. First, he has to win actually announced has to announce but but my point is if chris christie tries to do that or uh, mike pence is not going to do it or nikki haley or tim scott or any of those guys i don't think they have the cojones to step into the ring and actually say that to trump and it matter right like there's low low level like i I don't know if 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 liz cheney decides to run which i think she will and then she's going to run as an independent and try to steal the election and all those things Nobody's going to care what Liz Cheney says to Trump, right? Right. Um, well, I mean, but, Chris Christie is, is to be fair, funnier, <laughs> I would think, than Liz Cheney, right? I mean, I, I don't probably. Think the standard is he's that a New high. Jersey guy. Right. He's a New Jersey guy. He probably got think, a little more funny things to say. If Liz Cheney came on this show and she only came on to tell jokes, she which her career kind of is, but let's pretend that she's actually telling jokes, I don't think she could make you or me laugh. Like so, I, I I don't think that Liz Cheney like has a high charisma uh, connection. I do remember there was that moment where Chris Christie, and you can go back and watch some of these videos. He was he was great at one thing that you would see him doing, and it was laying into the teachers' unions in New Jersey, which were a total public sector cartel. I'm you sure know, this they is still back are. in back in yeah, of course. True, true. So the other side of it is didn't change, but those videos were that was right in the Tea Party era. Um, I, I remember that he was doing a good job with that. Um, but uh, yeah, no. And look, he's he's not a serious contender for the presidency. I just think it's interesting from a political dynamics of the primary. If you had, he is a brawler. He's a brawler, right? So does that in any way affect? I'm, I, I'm just I don't. To- I just think if Trump is smart. It's like you don't get close to somebody who has a strong right hand. You know, I mean, from a from a sports analogy, like you just kind of just give him a little jab every now and then and just kind of keep. Yeah, your he distance. can just base it. He could actually just pretty much ignore him and be like, the guy's a loser. That's probably what that's probably how he does it, how he runs it. Yeah. And, and I also think I think the counter, you know, punch that's pretty strong. If you decide you want to engage with Chris Christie is why would anybody pay attention to you, Chris Christie? You guarantee that Obama won re-election in 2012 by embracing him in the wake of the hurricane. Was it Sandy? Uh, I mean, I think you can make an argument that that is what helped put Obama over the finish line, given how close 2012 was. So if Trump just says, you can say whatever you want, Chris Christie, you're the reason Obama got re-elected, I, I think it really kind of cuts a lot of his legs out from underneath him. 
We live in interesting times, politically, um, Mr. Clay. So I, what I, you, I didn't mean to divert. I diverted no, us because no, no. I, I was curious. I think it's a really good question. Uh, I want to play. Let me play this audio, and then I'll let we'll react to it a little bit uh, because I did want to update. We still have not gotten the transgender manifesto. I am told that that is going to be released. It has not happened today. I think the longer it takes, the more people out there say, why are we not releasing this manifesto? Because every crazy other shooter manifesto, people, it comes out and then Trump gets blamed for it or whatever else it is. I, I just want to say, I completely, this notion, and obviously you saw my tweet on this, I completely disagree that it should be the government's purview to prevent us from understanding uh, the psychopathic yeah. uh, reality of some of these mass killers because we talk about mental health and how we can address these things, how we can stop a future shooting. Well, if the public can't know, how can we have any conversation? How can we expect our leaders to respond to our desires? About how- anyway, that's the whole we can get into this. I, I think there's no there's no basis that is compelling to me at all for delay and certainly for ongoing suppression of, you know, for the long term. I think it's crazy. I would just ask you, how would people be responding if in my home city of Nashville, someone had shown up at a trans event and shot six trans people compared to a trans person showing up at a religious elementary school and killing six people? It's a hate crime. Here's Josh Hawley, senator from Missouri, saying that. And he's one of the few that feels like is actually saying it. Listen to Cut 9. We'll react to it when we come back. I call on this body, every member of this body, to condemn in the clearest of terms this hate crime against this community in Nashville. Today, I will introduce a resolution explicitly condemning this massacre as the hate crime that it is and calling upon this body to condemn hateful rhetoric that leads to violence, hateful rhetoric against religious believers, religious institutions, religious communities that leads to violence. This isn't speculation. This is a tragic fact. It has happened before our eyes, and we must condemn it. We'll talk about it when we come back. Senator Josh Hawley, is it a hate crime? Why are we not seeing this manifesto? Uh, All that and more. I mean, I I think it's domestic terrorism, by the way. If we're going to have a label for domestic terrorism, this looks like domestic terrorism to me. I used to analyze this for a living. There you go. We'll talk about it when we come back. Asset managers, names you know, are using your retirement funds to further their ESG agenda. Last year, state treasurers across the nation sent a message to stop playing politics with our pensions by divesting $5 billion from these companies. 25 states are suing to block ESG nonsense from endangering your retirement. Republicans on Capitol Hill recently passed a bill blocking the Biden administration from allowing huge asset managers from using your hard-earned money to further their ESG agenda. But while conservatives in the House and Senate have your back, President Biden used his veto pen to kill this bill last week. Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat who voted to block ESG investing, blasted Biden's, blasted Biden's veto as infuriating and charged it's putting a radical and progressive agenda ahead of the country's needs. These firms have a fiduciary duty to maximize returns. They should be held to account for playing politics with our pensions and doing so without our consent. To learn how Consumers Research is protecting all of us from these woke investment firms, go to consumersresearch.org. That's consumersresearch.org, paid for by Consumers Research. 
speaking truth and having fun. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my from this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. Uh, we were just talking before about how there's still no manifesto for the public to see about this uh, shooter in Nashville who killed uh, six innocents. Uh, the trans shooter um, who, despite what Reuters is trying to indicate, uh, it seems very likely based on and Reuters said this was a Christian student, um, as if that has something to do with what happened here. Uh, this uh, student, former student, I should say, the shooter, was also considering other targets, including family members, including other sites, including locations that have nothing to do with Christianity. Um, the police haven't given us the full uh, the full set of possible or, or considered targets. I mean, this was a premeditated murder. But I would also argue that based on the fact that there's an almost certain ideological component to this, 
It is political violence and the furtherance of a political agenda, which is the classic and enduring definition of terrorism. Now, we often will use this term to, we'll say domestic terrorism, Clay, to separate it. And there were debates about this, even in the CIA, and debates about this in the various intelligence community uh, branches about how to talk about these things, what terminology to use. We'll all remember even during the Obama administration, we were all supposed to say ISIL. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. That was a big fight in the in the intelligence community because they kept wanting the public to say ISIL instead of ISIS, and everyone kept saying ISIS. So, you know, this stuff, they, they get into, uh, obviously, the semantics of it at some level, too. But uh, they say domestic terrorism because they want to separate it from foreign-inspired jihadist terrorism, usually, or having an international, uh, international entity nexus to it. Um, but this, to me, is classic domestic terrorism. I, I don't really know what... We have to see here, other than the specifics in the manifesto, but based on the targets uh, that were chosen here um, and the and the very clear signs of an ideological radicalization. And you can argue that it's a hate crime as well, though I think that the broader target set indicates to me more domestic terrorism than hate crime. But at some point also, as long as there's an understanding of what's really at stake here and what really happened, um, the specific terminology uh, between hate crime and domestic terrorism, I think both are applicable. And don't you think that we need that manifesto released? And I understand if they have to redact some portions of it for a variety of reasons before it's released. It needs to be released sooner rather than later uh, because I think the Nashville Police Department has done themselves a ton of favors with the videos that they put out, with the response, with the alacrity with which they put this information out there. But the longer we don't get a clear motivation for why this occurred the more people out there feel it, as if there's being something hidden. It becomes a clear political decision instead of a public safety decision. We should know why this happened. If we're going to try to prevent, if we're going to try to understand how to prevent, you have to understand the full scope of what occurred here. And there is no, in my mind, no ra- no real reason to hold it back other than the belief that um, this may, you know, that they can't trust the public with this information because it will lead to bad outcomes. Well, that's a government excuse for all kinds of censorship that's unacceptable. Um, so the manifesto must come out, and there must be pressure to get it out sooner than later. I completely agree with you on that as well. So who's your cell phone company? Mine is Pure Talk. I switched over a year ago after realizing how much money I was going to save, and I still get the exact same 5G nationwide service that I was used to for years. Pure Talk has delivered on everything that they promise. Their U.S.-based customer service team is very helpful. Their $30 a month price for unlimited talk, text, and plenty of data is a great deal. There are no drop calls. The speed in getting data is just as fast. I kept my same phone number and my phone, and switching was easy. Another bonus, I'm relying on a company that has true conservative values and takes pride in supporting our veterans and our military. If you're looking to save money right now, think about making the switch to Pure Talk like I did. You'll be saving about 50 or 60 bucks a month on average, or perhaps a bunch more. Using your cell phone now, dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck, and save 50% off your first month. Dial pound 250, say Clay and Buck, and start saving now. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton on the front lines of truth. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. I I wanted to mention this, Buck. A lot of people have been saying, hey, what can you do if you're interested in helping out the six Nashville victims of the school shooting? Uh, I've shared at least three 
fundraiser pages uh, at Clay Travis. You can go there if you have the funds, if you want to do something. A lot of you out there have said, hey, what can we do? I, I would say for that, uh, you can go check out at Clay Travis there. I just shared another one during the commercial break, and certainly we want to continue to offer our thoughts, prayers, condolences, uh, and deepest wishes for everyone out there who was dealing with this tragedy that our prayers are with them and we want them to all get well. And if you have the resources to be able to help those families with a variety of costs, then certainly I would encourage all of you to do so. You can seek them out, um, at least several of them out uh, on my Twitter page if you scroll down through there. Okay, uh, Buck, big topic of discussion has continued to be whether or not TikTok should be banned. Uh, we were talking about this off air uh, we've got a big article up at OutKick. One of our writers did a deep dive on what exactly is happening, what the impact could be. And you were against TikTok being banned when we discussed it. I think it was on Monday or Friday, earlier yeah. this week, I think, right? I think it's like it's like me and AOC. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you you yeah. and Jamal Bowman, there, left wing Democrat congressman. I understand your argument. And Glenn Greenwald, and, he's also and suspicious. Rand Paul. And, and Rand, Rand Paul, Paul has got thank a, you. Has got thank a great you. piece out there. Yep. Um, and so my biggest thing, and I saw this, and I wanted to add to that conversation as it is continuing to grow, because it appears, I, I saw a poll that came out yesterday that showed Democrats, Republicans, and independents were all in favor of banning TikTok. Uh, and my argument was... The thing that bothers me the most about TikTok in general, and this is a Wall Street Journal uh, article that I saw. Do you know right now in America, the most downloaded free mobile apps in the United States, the top four are all Chinese owned. A lot of people focusing on TikTok. This is what I've been saying. uh, There's something, something called Timu. Uh, there's something called CapCut, which I actually am familiar with. I didn't know China owned it. My 12-year-old, and maybe some of you out there have kids or grandkids who do this as well, will make like highlight videos, and you can cut them using different video feeds. The CapCut is the most famous way to do that for a YouTube short or for a TikTok or something like that. And then something else called Shine. Now, all four of those, the four most downloaded apps in the United States right now, uh, in this past week, all Chinese-owned. And again, that's the data from, sorry, I said Wall Street Journal is actually Axios with that data. My biggest issue is not whether or not TikTok should be banned, Buck. It's that China is not allowing any of our top companies access to their markets. And meanwhile, they are coming in here and hoovering up massive audiences and data in the United States. And there is an argument that one reason why China is being so successful is they have over a billion people to be testing their algorithms on in China, perfecting them, and then bringing them here when they can ensure that they are at their most viral and at their most popular, and then they're competing with American companies. So you can't go on Google you can't uh, go on uh, YouTube. You can't go on Twitter. You can't go on Facebook. They don't allow our largest companies, Instagram, to compete in China. And then they're allowed to come over here and compete in our markets. I thought that's well, what upsets me. But, but so here, here's the, the issue. I mean, that's all true. I think the issue, though, becomes, so why does TikTok get 
sacrificed in this bargain, right? Why do other com- all these other companies get to keep doing business in China, but because you know we're, we're going to block it's a great, we're it's ban a great TikTok, point, and that's where I said like nobody's calling yeah. to ban the iPhone, right? I mean, so so everyone else gets to keep doing business in China, but oh, they won't let us into their market, so we're going to ban TikTok. Like you know, it seems un. This is a company. There are shareholders. There are people who work there. Um, Americans, by the way, just to be very clear, there are American employees of TikTok. I think people also also forget that. Um, this isn't like a bunch of people just sitting around in Beijing who are operating this app. There's a whole uh, U.S. U.S. presence uh, for it, and I'm just seeing this by the Rand Paul has come out against it, and this has been my thing all along. Um, that it is, he says, it mimics censorship by the Chinese government. He cast the question of whether to ban the viral video app as a free speech issue. And said he would defend the app even against members of his party. This is according to, uh, NBC, NBC News. This is what I've been saying too. If they, this is why I brought up Russia today. If the government just say, oh, we don't like this app. We think it's bad for kids for their like long-term thought process. Like, well, okay, but it's not worse for them than Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, it's not I, for anybody. I guess so, where I come down, Buck, is I don't believe they can actually ban it. Right? So I don't believe that the United States can ban this app from existing. Because so 150 million people already have it on their phone. Are you telling me that your 14-year-old is not going to be smart enough to figure out how to continue to use TikTok? I think what this is designed to do is a leverage play, and they're trying to force this to be sold to an American company. So I don't think there's any way it goes to, and, and, and the leverage yeah. play is, like, how does this, who buys it? I, I yeah. think is one of the challenging parts, but that I think the actual idea of hey we're going to ban it is virtually impossible, and it's about trying to force China to sell this company. And there's some text also. So there's there's the issue of of arbitrary. This is arbitrary. You could say it's yeah, arbitrary and I capricious to just ban TikTok. And as I've said to everybody from the beginning of this, the social media companies that are owned by Americans here in America are worse for your kids and a bigger threat to your freedom than TikTok. And I've had very few people really push back on that when they think it through. They go, yeah, wait a second. What happened with before Elon bought it, Twitter and the election and Facebook? And what is YouTube doing all the time? And how does that algorithm work? And what are they pushing? Are they pushing a lot of constitutionalism on YouTube these days? They are not. Um, but then there's also the overreach component. So there's a censorship concern. Which Rand Paul, I knew Rand Paul would come through for me on this one. Uh, and then there's also... What's in the text of what they're calling the Restrict Act? I think that's the name. I was trying to remember. Yeah. You know, they have, to, they have to give this some serious sounding name to every bill these days, like the uh, Anti Inflation Act that doesn't actually reduce inflation. Wasn't actually increases why one point four trillion or one point two trillion, according to most recent estimates. Well, who wonder yeah. who told you that? It's anti inflation and in that it increases inflation. Joe um, Manchin fell for that one, huh? This is we're not forgetting that one on this show. Yeah, Joe Manchin. We're not forgetting what he did. But here we go uh, with the text from the Restrict Act. This was shared by uh, Greg Price, who's a conservative, uh, you know, Twitter presence. Um, in general, the secretary and consul. Uh, sorry, the, the heading is addressing information and communication technology products and services that pose undue or unacceptable risk. The secretary, in consultation with the relevant executive department and agency heads is authorized to and shall take action to identify, deter, disrupt, prevent, prohibit, investigate, or otherwise mitigate, including by negotiating, entering into, or imposing and enforcing any mitigation measure to address any risk arising from any covered transaction 
by any person or with respect to any property subject to the jurisdiction of the United States that the Secretary determines. So information and communication technology products, the federal government can basically just say, yeah, we think there's some risk from this, and so we're going to do whatever we want to you. I don't think that's a good idea. It's very expansive, the way that it's being drafted, which is why, again, I think ultimately this is about forcing a sale. I would be stunned if they... And if they did it, Buck, I just... I feel like my 15-year-old in five minutes would figure out how to continue to use TikTok on his electronic devices, right? I, how would I the ban even... I mean, this isn't... You know, how would the ban allow, even work? My I guess yeah, Apple I, would probably have to put an update, and the phone companies have to put an update that it would strip it from your phone? Because uh, other no, people... I, I don't think they could strip it from the phone. I think what would happen is that they would not a b you wouldn't be able to continue to update it and if you don't update apps eventually they become they don't function anymore that's like the the laziest most ridiculous ban i've ever heard of. yeah like, right so really about what you're talking about years, is yeah it's a ban on being a my understanding it's a ban on you being able to continue to update your app which eventually will render it unfun the lack it won't function anymore this is like whenever I, I tried to play Call of Duty during during the uh, the COVID pandemic, and I would have to spend like days just updating that thing. Man, yeah, this is right. what happens. They get all these new, you know, all these. You guys, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. By the way, I was like, oh, Buck, I don't play Call of Duty really during COVID. You weren't playing any Call of Duty. I don't believe. I don't. Believe I think people it. know about it just because they have to update their iPhones. And how often do you update your iPhone? And it doesn't work as well as it did before. My iPhone is amazing. It is programmed to want to update when I'm getting, um, uh, when I'm like desperately trying to find something and I'm driving in my car yes. and now my phone stops working. Or if someone calls me and it's important, my iPhone then starts bothering me. But it's amazing how it does that. Yeah, it's it's really, amazing. How, how it's, it seems to know it almost. It's special like that. You know, we are busy people here. Like you, we get a lot of done, a lot done during the day, which requires a ton of energy, focus, and stamina. Chalk supplements help folks like us get all three of these things in a more natural way. Chalk is spelled C-H-O-Q, offers a variety of herbal supplements for both men and women. For the guys, they have a bundle called the Male Vitality Stack. Its leading ingredient replenishes testosterone. Studies show the average guy in this country has lost about 50% of that testosterone that he really needs. Chalk's Male Vitality Stack helps restore those T-levels by 20% in just three months' time. You will feel the difference. And for the ladies, they have a female vitality stack, which helps with hormone health, among other things. Learn more about how these products can help you and your loved ones at chalk.com. C-H-O-Q.com is how the website is spelled. Right now, get 35% off any chalk subscription for life when you use my name, Buck, B-U-C-K, in the purchase process. That's chalk, C-H-O-Q.com, and use my name, Buck, for 35% off. Get to know the guys outside the issues. Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck, a new podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality podcast. podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. 
This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? It look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Closing up shop today on Clay and Buck, which is a great time to remind you of your ability to go back and listen to any part of the show you might have missed uh, and also to check out additional content, deep dive interviews, and uh, also new hosts or new hosts, plus there will be more in the future. Um, we have uh, Tudor Dixon joining on the Clay and Buck Podcast Network. So you subscribe to Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Podcast. You get all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, Tudor Dixon show. Um, I'm, I'm doing, uh, we, we have uh, Anna Paulina Luna. Uh, interview with her going out tonight. She's part of the rebels. Remember when they stood up to business as usual in Congress and got those concessions? She'll explain it in detail. Sat down with her for almost an hour. Um, she's also a friend of mine, has been for years. So it's really fun to get a chance to talk to her. Um, so go check out that podcast, the Clay and Buck podcast, wherever you like to listen. The iHeart app, my favorite place. Download it for free. And Clay, um, do we have we have also people writing in on the VIP email address, which I want to remind everybody is a great way to get in touch with us. Uh, if you go to clayandbuck.com, subscribe to the VIP. And that's always a good good place to be. VIP. There we go. When was the last time you stood in a line at a club with a velvet rope, Mr. VIP? <laughs> have you ever thought have you thought of like, you've been married a long time? Like I, 
I haven't even been married for a few months now, and I don't think I've done that in. I think I was probably thirty the last time I did that. I don't know. It's been a long time. Maybe even like late twenties. I I actually stood in line. It's funny you mentioned this. I stood in line probably two months ago to get in a uh, to get in a place. And <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what? Clay, how, was, how do you break this to me on air? We have well, all the off air Clay it stories. Wasn't, it wasn't like a club, all right. So it wasn't a club. It was like a bar. was it a cabaret? It was yeah. It was a strip club. Um, it was a. Uh, uh, it was a it was a uh, transgender uh, uh, story hour. Um, it was uh, I was trying to uh, to go meet a friend, and I don't know. There's like ten people outside, and I didn't want to try to skip the line because I'm conscious of like somebody being like, "Oh, look, Clay Travis thinks he's so big time," and uh, and so I stood like there's like ten people, so I stood in line. Uh, and waited to get in, and you know, of course, people came by, and like two different people were like, "Hey, what's going on?" You know, like to see me standing in line. So that I, that was like two months ago. I stood in line to get into a, uh, it was a, uh, it was a bar, but it was just kind of like a random Friday or Saturday in Nashville. And I did stand in line at some point. I'm trying to remember what the college town was to get in on a college football game day weekend this past fall. Uh, I was going to meet a buddy, and he was in there, and there was like 20 people in line. I was like, ah, I told him I'd come have a beer with him, so I stood in line there. But in general, I despise lines. I will, I will not wait in line to go anywhere. So that that's the uh, that's the answer to your question. Why, what what would is there a big line dispute or dilemma here? Um, no, no. I was, well, I was just thinking about VIP, and I started thinking about how. You know, there was always all these uh, all these clubs, especially in New York City. There was uh, for a long time a big business in these nightclubs, and you always they wanted to sell you like VIP access, and they would sell you a bottle. I don't know how many people across the country have really experienced this. Uh, they have this in a lot. I mean, they have similar things in like Charleston and and you know where you buy a bottle and you get. But they yeah. would sell at nightclubs in New York when I was a teenager. Um, not that I was going to nightclubs before I was 21, of course, because that would <laughs> you be would never think of such thing. That would be against the law. Um, but they would sell a bottle of absolute vodka in these places for oh yeah, thousand bucks, yeah, thousand dollars for a bottle of vodka that they paid. That was, but th- that was pre, really pre internet era. Now I'm really feeling old. Um, and I just think that now guys used to in major cities, they would spend crazy money. To be in a place where they thought there'd be attractive single women and they would have a a good sort of chance of getting to talk to them. Even though worst place to meet a woman, and I can speak to this from my single days, anywhere where you have to shout over music, really hard. Correct. Really hard. Unless you are so handsome that you don't need to speak and like have any game, which was never my situation. The worst place um is is in a really crowded place. But now um everyone just everyone just meets everybody else. You know, online on Instagram, like you don't have to go to. A, it has dramatically changed mating in America that people don't have to just go to a bar or a nightclub and be like, "I wonder if there are going to be some single people there for me to talk to." Everyone yeah, just slides into DMs on Instagram. That still happens, but I also think there's still a lot of rich guys out there that want to pay for a bottle service so they can just yell at pretty girls walking by. They can come up and have a drink. I, I still, I still think that that is a because then you can be like, "Hey, what's your Instagram?" and then you have an easy entree. You don't have to ask for phone numbers anymore. You just be like, you, you know, whatever the girl is, what's her Instagram? Every girl on the planet who's good looking has an Instagram page, right? I mean, this is almost unheard of for them not to. And it's like uh, I tell all my I, guy I, friends, if it's not a professional Instagram page, she's got more than fifty thousand followers. 
you know, you're in. You're in for. Uh, it's going to be an interesting process. The dating process. That's all I I'm was saying. out with a single guy at the Super Bowl, and he said, "I have refused. I refuse to date any girl that has more than twenty five hundred Instagram followers." Uh, because that means they're like professionally hot and they're not normal anymore. Too much like male attention. Too much yes. male attention. It's it pollutes the mind. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. The guys out there, you know, the, the married ladies, they they know they know too that this is the with the younger generation and everything else. But the guys in particular, they know it's man, it's a crazy world out there in the dating game. That's all I'm saying. We don't really talk about this very much on the show, but. Uh, Anyway, I haven't been to a Velvet Rope situation in a long time, but there's no Velvet Rope on Clay and Buck. You guys can listen to us anytime you like. What a transition to close the show. We'll see you with Shannon Bream tomorrow. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.